the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go-to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high-profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Welcome to Wednesday night here in New York City. It is the 27th day of September. We are officially in fall and autumn season. Unless At least it stopped raining today. I am very lucky to be joined here by the one and only Joni Pelzer. Thank goodness it's not raining. Why? Thank it is why. gorgeous out today. It was like the perfect fall day. I'm done with the rain. Aren't you done with the rain? I'm done with the rain. Alex Garrett, welcome to uh, the Idola Power Hour. Thank you. Can I just say happy anniversary to my mom and my stepfather, Vic. 19 years of marriage today. So, Oh, congratulations. God bless. And I had, here's to 19 more. Uh, and, you know, Alex, you sent me some news today about the boss, a.k.a. Bruce Springsteen. I would say he's becoming the boss of his health, Arthur. He's actually canceling the rest of his... 2023 tour to deal with, I believe, peptic ulcer, uh, you know, health issues. I, I commend him for that. Don't you to, to take care of his health? I, I it's funny because I said that I said he should uh, he should cancel the rest of the tour for the rest of this year. He should rest up. He just turned 74 years old. I think last week uh, there's a picture of him and his family um, all over the social media. He looks good. Um, but, you know, doing those shows and jumping up and down and, and being as detail-oriented and as much of a perfectionist as he is, that really does eat away at your belly. And uh, I get it. You know, uh, as a joke, you know, I put my band back together, uh, Rapid Pulse, and we played two gigs. And But, you know, yes, there were 200 people there, not 200,000, but they were my friends and family and people who I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of. And I will tell you, it is it is stressful, especially when you're the front person, uh, the way Bruce is. And, and, you know, if you see his documentary, uh, um, his Broadway documentary, it's on Netflix, uh, Springsteen on Broadway. Yeah, it's he tells you, you know, what it's like and what that feeling is like. And, yes, it's exhilarating and um you know, it, it, the adrenaline is pumping, but leading up to it, it's a it's a bundle of nerves putting on those kinds of performances, and uh, it affects everyone differently. And obviously, for Mr. Bruce Springsteen, it affected his belly. So we wish him the best of health. And um, well, maybe when he comes back next year, I'll have to find an excuse to go see. Uh, I would be the sixth show I've seen on this tour. Um, we have a great show for you. I am. Yesterday, I said that I was going to have uh, my partner. Uh, Judge Leventhal come on the show, not just because he's my partner, but he uh, was on the appellate division for 13 years, and that is the court that uh, is going to be hearing Judge Ozzie, the judge in Staten Island's uh, appeal. So Judge Ozzie ruled yesterday, we announced on the show, 
that uh, the migrants who are in this uh, facility in Staten Island, it was an empty facility, um, but it's in a residential area right by a very prestigious uh, all-girls Catholic school. And there are currently migrants in there. And my understanding is, you know, they had to put uh, outdoor porta potties out there and there's sanitation issues. And it's, you know, it's not a it's not a a great scene. So this judge, a Staten Islander um, and under a lot of pressure from the community of Staten Island, ruled that, no, those migrants can't stay there. Uh, that under the law, the uh, they're not obligated. The government is not obligated to provide such shelter, and um, the city now is appealing that to the appellate division, second department, where Judge Leventhal sat for a dozen years, and um, he, oh, I think maybe almost thirteen. We'll clarify that when he comes on. But um, you know, he'll tell us a little bit about the procedures of how that works, and you know, he'll give us a little prediction of which way he thinks it's going to go. Another appeal that is uh, going to be ripe, and and both of these I think are going to be emergency appeals because um, when a judge makes a ruling that has an immediate impact, especially in a civil case, and it appeals, an appeal come is filed, it usually stays the ruling of the judge. So for Donald Trump and Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump and the Trump Organization, the ruling yesterday in state Supreme Court um, by Justice Arthur, I think his name is Engoron? Igorin, okay, Igorin. Uh, Justice Leventhal is here to be prepared for his segment. Justice Igorin, who is an old-timer, he's been around quite some time on the bench. He is a proud Democrat. Uh, he has tipped his hands in the past, I think, uh, referring to Trump as a bad guy. Um, In his ruling, uh, the judge wrote that a receiver must be appointed to all of the Trump business properties, quote, to manage the disillusion of the canceled business certificates for limited liability corporations or LLCs under the Trump organization umbrella. So today, uh, Trump's lawyers went into court to basically, I, I'm, I apologize, but today the, the, the Trump lawyers, I don't know if they went into court or it was in writing, but I think it was a, a live uh, hearing to say, Judge, what exactly does that mean? Do you want a receiver, which is someone who's appointed by the court uh, or sometimes agreed to by the parties, just to oversee all of the uh, Trump entities as this case plays out? Or are you saying that you want a receiver to be put in to... Uh, sell off all the properties and and just get rid of them and liquidate them and then use the assets to pay some crazy fine to the government, to the New York State Attorney General Letitia James. Uh, it wouldn't go to her, um, but it would go, it would be through her office. It would come actually back to us. Um, and the judge's answer was, well, I'm not ready to rule on that just now. So um, the judge has ruled that the business certificates which are issued by the state to prove that you know it's, these are real companies, that those um, have been ruled to be withdrawn, um, ineffective. So basically he, you know, he told Donald Trump and his companies and his children, like, you can't do business in the, city of the state of New York. Um, this is a tremendous blow. I mean, we, you know, we're talking about all these other, uh, all these other cases that Trump has about voting in January 6th and documents in his uh, house in Mar-a-Lago and not appropriately responding to a subpoena. But this is the case that actually could impact him the most and his family. Um, 
I would expect an appeal to be filed, you know, or at least a notice of appeal to be filed this week with with some paperwork asking that the judge's uh, the judge's ruling be stayed, be put in abeyance, be set aside until this appeal is heard. Typically, the appellate division would grant that, where everything stays the same. Um, a friend of mine, uh, a real estate veteran. Um, Adam Lightman Bailey, who I have cases with right now, we're actually adversaries on a case. Judge Leventhal is his adversary. Um, he agrees that there probably will be a stay by the appellate division, but um, he also thought that um, the judge's decision was an overreach and that the appeal will be granted. I want you to stand by because let's hear, uh, although Adam Lightman Bailey is a well-known real estate litigator, he's never been a judge, and you are going to hear in our very next segment from a judge who has sat in on these types of cases through his illustrious career on the bench. And I don't say that for any, not because he's my partner and my friend, um, but because it's true. And that was his reputation. And after we speak to Judge Leventhal, uh, something very interesting was brought to my attention. Um, Christopher Alexander, he's the chief analytics officer of um, the Pioneer Development Group. He's going to talk to us about something called BRICS. It's an organization, that's an acronym, it's an organization that's basically trying to destabilize the dollar, the American dollar, and uh, and hurt us. So uh, you're going to hear from Judge Leventhal, who's going to talk to you about uh, the migrant case, and then you're going to hear from uh, Mr. Christopher Alexander, who's going to talk to you about the God bless us, the almighty American dollar, which stabilizes the world economy. And um, I don't know, we'll have something. We'll talk about Menendez. How about that at the end? There's a lot going on in the world of the law. This is Arthur Idala. It's 612 on a Wednesday night. Don't go anywhere. Bruce Springsteen sending you out. We'll be right back. that hit a family budget the hardest the price of gas and of groceries let us ease that pain at the pump when you enter the eighteen thousand dollar gas and groceries giveaway the grand prize winner gets ten thousand dollars in gift cards for gas and groceries three first prize winners each get one thousand dollar gift cards and ten second prize winners will get five hundred dollar gift cards for gas and groceries that's eighteen thousand dollars total to enter go to am970theanswer.com In an era where it's tough to know which news outlet to trust, at a time where it's difficult to find facts, not just opinion, there is an oasis in the news desert. It's the Katz Roundtable. John Katzimatidis, the personification of the American dream, who built a multi-billion dollar business empire, talks with some of the nation's top newsmakers who are shaping the news cycle in the city, the country, and the world. Catch the Katz Roundtable every Sunday morning, starting at 8 on AM 970. The Answer. If you're looking for a solution to aches and pains, Relief Factor is your supplement. Let me just reread that uh, Nancy's testimony because I didn't get a chance to get through Nancy's testimony. Nancy from Texas said, I love Relief Factor. I can do more now. Yay. After teaching riding lessons and taking care of my five horses daily, I used to be so tired. Now I can keep going, get more yard work done, housework, and cooking done. I have more stamina because I don't hurt. Uh, Feels so good to be able to do more like I used to. It did take a couple months for Relief Factor to, to for me to really notice a huge difference. It slowly happened for me. Luckily, um, I just kept taking it, and the improvement is amazing. 
and I can tell you that's my testimony exactly. It, wasn't, it didn't take a couple of months. It took a, it took about a week. But that's the that's what I saw when I took Relief Factor. It's Joe Piscopo. The following is a medical minute sponsored by my friends at InfuCare RX, a leading specialty infusion pharmacy provider for patients with complex conditions. InfuCareRx.com, improving quality of life one patient at a time. Here is Dr. Nick Silvestri, University of Buffalo. Because myasthenia gravis is due to an autoimmune condition attacking muscles, the most common symptom is muscle weakness. This disease can affect any muscle of the body, and common symptoms include double vision, droopy eyelids, slurring or hoarseness of speech, trouble with swallowing or chewing, difficulty breathing, and weakness of the muscles of the arms or the legs. An unusual feature of myasthenia compared to other neurological disorders causing weakness is that the symptoms of myasthenia tend to get worse as the day goes on or the longer a person uses their particular muscles. This Medical Minute is sponsored by InfuCareRx, and the information, comments, or views expressed by their guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of InfuCareRx. Please consult your medical professional for any medical questions, opinions, or guidance. We all know that planning for the future is important. If you're not around, who will make decisions for you? Are your assets protected from probate and nursing home costs? The time to plan is now. Wills, trusts, power of attorneys, health care proxies, living wills, estate plan. How do you figure this out? Attend the Connors & Sullivan free seminar and have all of your questions answered by Mike Connors himself. Monday, October 16th at the Greenhouse Cafe at 3rd Avenue in Brooklyn at 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. Tuesday, October 17th at Buckley's Restaurant Avenue S in Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Wednesday, October 18th at the Adrian Hotel, Northern Boulevard in Bayside, Queens at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Thursday, October 19th at Conley's Corner, Grand Avenue in Maspeth, Queens at 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. And Friday, October the 20th at DeLuca's Trattoria, 616 Forest Avenue, Staten Island, 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. You can't make any of these multiple dates. Just call Connors and Sullivan for a free initial consultation at 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. As Mike Connors always says, the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. Listen to AM 970 The Answer on Alexa. Tune in, iHeart, or odyssey.com. Alright, what a great song. I think if you, like, Google Stone's greatest songs or most popular or something, I know that song, Give Me Shelter, is very high on the list. Well, I promised you yesterday, and I'm, I'm so happy I was able to deliver, um, someone who will be able to talk to us about this shelter crisis from a legal point of view. I, you know, I know uh, many people in Staten Island are very happy with Judge Ozzie's decision. I know people right here in my law firm are very happy, happy with Judge Ozzie's decision. But I said yesterday without having read the whole decision because it had just come out, but today looking at some more of the details and juxtaposing it to precedent and what the state constitution says, I am not very confident that the second department appellate division is going to upheld, uphold such a decision. Um, but somebody who knows a lot better than I do about how the, that, that function, that court functions is my partner here at Idala Bertuna and Cammons, the Honorable John Leventhal, who is a re- retired Associate Justice of the State Court of New York Appellate Division, Second Judicial Department, where he was for uh, over a decade. And uh, and then he was a, a trial judge uh, for de- over a decade down there. So uh, he knows the ins and outs 
of this courthouse and these procedures. Judge Levin, though, before I just talk about the substance of the case, just tell us how does it work? How does an appeal from something like this work logistically? Well, when the city or the state uh, loses, they get an automatic stay once they file their notice of appeal. What does that mean? So the status quo is going to remain in effect, which means no one's going to be removed from this uh, a shelter, which is the uh, St. John's Villa Academy, which, by the way, is, uh, is was vacant. It wasn't being used at the time uh, these people were put in. Okay, so it's the status quo, and what uh, what's a general timeline that uh, your former court would give for people to put in their motions and replies, et cetera? Well, the, the, this, the, this is a, an emergency, so they will uh, um, find out if a permanent stay will, will be granted. Um, this appeal will probably be put on the uh, fast burner, but I don't think these people will be moving very quickly. Um, look. Well, just give me an idea when you say the fast burner, because people out there hear that you know an appeal takes two or three years. In the second department, it does, but in this particular case, I, I think they'll they'll put it on a fast track. So it'll be done in months, not years. Uh, yes. And so in a, a case like this, is it typically oral argument or will it all be decided on papers? No, it'll be it'll be orally argued. Um what's inter what's interesting, I mean, look, they have vacated consent decrees in in the federal court, in the state courts. Uh I remember there was one Georgia case where they uh, vacated a consent decree where where they said, "Oh, we're going to have judges uh, picked by the executive branch as opposed to elections. And and they vacated that consent decree because they said it was against the uh, Georgia Constitution. And this consent decree was, was filed 42 years ago. It was, it was brought when I was finishing up my law school in 1979. And in 1981, it, it was entered as a court consent decree by, uh, by the city and the state and it guaranteed a right to shelter for all homeless uh, men in New York City and establishes minimum health and safety standards for homeless shelters. And since that time, there have been various uh, different litigations which protected uh, people, equal standards for homeless women. That's Eldridge v. Koch. There's Costantino versus Perales brought by the Legal Aid Society uh, that mandated that children cannot be removed from parents and placed into foster care solely because of the family's lack of housing. Then there was McCain versus Koch. There was all kinds of cases that, that uh, came about. And then uh, even the Giuliani uh, administration, Governor Pataki, at the request of Mayor Giuliani, issued new state regulation forcing shelters to eject homeless families and individuals for a minimum of 30 days to comply with a service plan, shelter rules, etc. And, and the Legal Aid Society, um, you know, for, fought that. So I don't know if any of you remember, I, I'm old. You're, you're a lot younger than me, Arthur. But in, in 1996, hundreds of homeless men were sleeping on the floors of a Manhattan intake shelter due to a shortage of shelter capacity. So the Giuliani administration refused to provide additional shelter beds for homeless men. So the Com Coalition for the Homeless, pursuant to that Callahan consent decree, uh, the state Supreme Court ordered the city to provide 200 additional uh, shelter beds. So this kept on going on, this back and forth. Now we have a different, we have immigrants. We don't have like 
people who are typically York, homeless. Right. Or, These people want housing. These people are not resistant to, to living inside. But they they're want also jobs. Not, but they're also not citizens. That's right. And, and uh, look, you're a smart guy. You, you, know, you have a better memory than I do. What did Emma Lazarus say? You tell me. Give what is Emma Lazarus? You're tired, you're poor, you're, you're homeless. I think they uh, – and, and, and do we have an obligation or not? But having said that, I love Wayne Ozzie. He's a great judge. Uh, he had a lot of courage to do this decision. And sometimes a judge has to do what he thinks is right, even though he's going to get reversed. And I think this will get reversed. Okay. Now, I uh, again, right. And by the way, the first department is the one that really spoke on most of these issues uh, in, in New York City over the years. I, I just want to. Well, these well are then all first me. department okay. cases. Let's talk about the way the law works. Is the second department handcuffed in any way by decisions of the first department? Well, generally speaking. No, they're not. And and there are times when the first and the second departments or the first and the third or the second and the fourth disagree. And sometimes those cases go up to the Court of Appeals to uh, decide those discrepancies. But I, I have to tell you here, this was a court consent decree entered by the city and state. So they consented. And now they're trying to, uh, you know, they're trying, the, the people in Staten Island are trying to say that, that this doesn't apply anymore. This, uh, in fact, the judge basically said um, this was really for Bowery uh, people, Bowery bums, basically. These laws, the, the consent decree, yeah, yeah. which it was. It was for Barrowy derelicts. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's, these are nice ways of putting it, but that's, that's what it was for, why would you say, 42 years ago? And he says it's anachronism, which, you know, some people may agree to. The people in Staten Island definitely agree to it. NIMBY. You know, sorry? Not in my backyard, which right, you right, right. Yeah. yeah, not in my backyard. But, right. you know, it's, they have to go somewhere. Look, I don't have a horse in this race uh, except to say that the state constitution – uh, talks about the state having to provide uh, shelter for the needy, and um, these people are needy. Now, can you make a an argument, an intellectual argument? Well, they're not here legally, uh, and they're not citizens, so therefore we don't owe them. You know, Now, the law doesn't say provide shelter for citizens who are needy. It just says provide shelter for the needy, um, so you could... You know, intellectually argue this back and forth. And probably if you do have a horse in the race, that's where you, know, you put your thumb on the scales of justice. So if someone lives as one of the judges and it's going on in their backyard, he may say, yeah, well, you know, it's the needy. Uh, the, I believe that the intent here was for people who are in this country legally and they need help. And uh, so therefore I'm saying, you know, the, we have no obligation and we're going to throw out uh, the basically the precedent. Um, and then there may be people who aren't affected by this, a judge who's not affected by this, and says, hey, the needy or the needy, if the legislature only wanted it to be for people who are citizens, uh, it would have put that in, in the Constitution. It's Article 17. You could look it up, uh, that where the state has to provide for the needy. So if you look at the, the uh, legal history here going back four decades – Typically speaking, Judge Ozzie's uh, decision is not the predominant one. And uh, you just heard Judge Leventhal, who sat on the court for many years, uh, that's going to be hearing this. 
he thinks it is probably going to be over uh, reversed. Judge? And look, you have to have sympathy for both sides. Look, these people need a place to stay. The winter is coming. Um, the last three, four, day, five days was raining continually. Can, no one really wants to be out there with their children. Uh, and, and the people from Staten Island who live right next to it, I can understand. You know, having all these men with, and I understand there are bathrooms set up uh, outside, showers and, and all that. So I understand both sides to, the, to this issue, but it's a very difficult issue. They have to be placed somewhere, and everyone says, look, where I lived on the Upper East Side, when they were putting in these uh, sanitation terminals. Everyone was fighting them all over the city. No one wanted it in Queens. No one wanted it. It's on the Upper East Side, which is a pretty, pretty affluent area. Yeah. And, you know, everyone was saying, oh, the garbage truck doesn't really hurt us at all. I don't think it's going to hurt the real estate. Um, this is a little bit different, maybe. But, you know, everyone, no matter city wants to do something, and everyone's going to fight it in their own neighborhood. This is a, uh, it's very sad, though. This is a real sad thing. And, and here, Democrats are going against Democrats. Poor Mayor Adams, you know, says that the federal government and the state government should be doing more. Hochul is saying that the well, federal I think, government. I think Governor Abbott was, I don't think I know, Governor Abbott was here today from Texas complimenting Mayor Adams for giving such a hard time to the White House for not stepping in. Judge Leventhal, while I have your expertise here, just tell the, the listeners generally a case like this. So if, if you got assigned, first of all, how, do, how is it picked, which it's, four, it's in your court is five judges? Or no, that's the first department. In the five, second right? department, we sit in four because we have, we're the busiest appellate court in the country. So we sit at, at four. If there's a tie, and how do those four get fifth. so something like this? How would those four get selected? Probably random, randomly. So some clerk spins a wheel and just pulls well, out four it, names. Well, it could be on the day that the other appeals are being heard. Okay. So and so and then what happens? What happens from the judge's point of view? You get a fir- you get a first draft of a of a. a well, you have a you have a court attorney who will file a uh, scheduling order, a, a report which will uh, summarize the record and the arguments made in the briefs. Um, The judges will read the briefs. They'll hear oral argument. They will retire and discuss it if they can agree. But what other outside research, though, is done by a judge besides the briefs that are handed by the lawyers? Is there anything else that a judge will ask his team to do? I know, look, pull this case. I want to reread, you know, this citing this case. I want to read it. I want to read what this. Well, uh, they'll, they'll read all the cases that are cited, um, that are germane to the to the uh, f- the final conclusion and the holding. Um, but some some of the cases, you know, are, are known to them. In a case like this, they'll probably go into the history of Callahan versus Carey, um, Eldridge versus Koch, Costantino versus Perales, McCain versus Koch, uh, Mixon versus Grinker. Um, so these are all the cases and uh, that preceded uh, this, this case. And, and in each case, I believe the, uh, the, the city, this, you know, they, they had to provide shelter. And so that, and that's why, you know, there's a woman here who has very passionate feelings about this. And she starts to, you know, get mad at me because I said, I think this decision is going to be overturned. And, and she's like, why? Why do you say that? It's not in your backyard. I'm like, right. and her, her relative lives right yeah. next to this. I said, because I said it, it just it continuously is overturned. It's like the mask mandates. 
you know, everyone kept saying, oh, you know, when a lower court judge would overturn one of these mask mandates, I said, I don't think it's going to hold. Why? Well, because it hasn't held anywhere else. All of a sudden now they're going to just, you know, change the legal reasoning. I don't see that happening. Well, the only distinction that you made before, Arthur, which is quite astute, was that these people aren't citizens. All these other cases dealt with citizens, people with HIV, people who were homeless, children uh, of people who were homeless, uh, and they and they were, if not citizens, legal aliens. All right. Well, um, I want to thank Judge Leventhal for coming in here. We it's now, always a pleasure. We now and, have an idea. I, I just want to say I was on the bench for 26 years, 13 years. Very simple to remember. 13 years as a trial judge, 13 years as an appellate judge. All right. You keep changing those numbers around, but I, I, I believe you. All right. We have uh, Judge John Leventhal here with us today who's given us the real scoop right from uh, the, the halls of the appellate division, uh, second department, where this case will be heard. We are going to come back with Christopher Alexander. He's the chief analytics officer of Pioneer Development Group and a crypto expert. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Coming up tonight at 7, it's Wellness Wednesday, and you don't want to miss Dr. Marty McCary and Dr. Douglas Howard. We will also discuss breaking news as it relates to health. That's tonight at 7, only on AM 970, The Answer. This is Mike Gallagher. Sign up today for an unforgettable experience in Israel this October. Dennis Prager and I are traveling to the Holy Land on the Stand with Israel tour with our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. This is a trip of a lifetime. You don't want to miss it. Register today before it's too late. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com, StandWithIsraelTour.com, or call 855-565-5519, 855-565-5519. And together, let's Stand with Israel. Want more AM 970 The Answer? Take us on the go with our Listen Live feature at am970theanswer.com or download our AM 970 The Answer app today. Just go to the iPhone App Store or Google Play Store and search AM 970 The Answer. Urgent Camp Lejeune settlement message. On September 6th, the government announced it will soon begin providing fast, guaranteed settlements to Camp Lejeune Marines, families, and civilians. Awards will range between $100,000 and $550,000, with an option for higher amounts. If you or a loved one spent time at Camp Lejeune and suffered cancers of the bladder, liver, or kidneys, leukemia, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, Parkinson's, or kidney issues, you may qualify for compensation and could be paid within 60 days after accepting your settlement with your VA benefits fully protected. You may be entitled to a significant financial award for your Camp Lejeune claim, but you must act now. Call the James Harris Law Camp Lejeune helpline now to get the compensation you deserve. We're already fighting for thousands harmed by the water at Camp Lejeune. Call now or you may forever lose your right to be awarded a settlement between $100,000 and $550,000. For your free evaluation, call 800-299-7878. That's 800-299-7878. 800-299-7878. My name is Imran Ansari, and I lead the Civil Litigation Division of Idala, Bertuda & Kamins, the preeminent New York litigation law firm. The tires screech, the impact is felt. Boom. 
You've just been in a car accident. It's a scary situation that none of us want to experience. But if you have been injured in a car accident, then you may be entitled to significant monetary compensation for your injuries. It's important you speak to an attorney right away to make sure your rights are protected. Myself and our team of experienced trial attorneys will never settle for less than what you deserve. We are always ready to go to court to fight for you and seek justice. So if you or a loved one have been injured in an accident, don't delay. Call Idala Bertuna and Cammon at 212-486-0011. That's 212-486-0011. Or visit us on the web at idalalaw.com. idalalaw.com. Idala Bertuna and Cammons, fighting for justice, fighting for you. Hi, it's Arthur Idala. I've been talking about the court reporting program at Plaza College for some time now. Well, Plaza College has been around since 1916, and not only do they have the School of Court Reporting, but they have four other schools of study, including their new School of Nursing. The Accelerated Bachelor of Science in Nursing program can be completed in just 16 months. And I'd like to offer congratulations to the first graduating cohort of nursing students. This first cohort began with 20 students, and 18 successfully completed the program. What an accomplishment. Plaza also has a dental hygiene program with a 20-chair community clinic. Students work on live patients under the supervision of a dentist. It's an incredible experience. For additional information regarding the programs I mentioned or Plaza's other areas of study, like their School of Business and Paralegal Studies or their School of Allied Health, email info at plazacollege.edu. Info at plazacollege.edu. That's info at plazacollege.edu. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. We return now with lifetime New Yorker and legal analyst, attorney Arthur Idala and the Arthur Idala Power Hour. We'll we are shaking it up on a Wednesday night, September the 27th. I uh, want to wish a happy birthday to my friend Mary Hassan. Happy birthday, Mary. Um, I have a very interesting guest on the line. Um, this guest is a former information operations planner with extensive experience in the Middle East and Europe. He worked uh, working with the U.S. Army. He has led projects for the United States government in which scientific research conducted by his team was used to develop public overt and covert influence campaigns. He developed a radio program to counter Al-Qaeda in Mali, comic books and billboards to reach illiterate Afghans, developed TV and film programming in Iraq, and advised the Lithuanian Ministry of Defense on countering Russian influence. His uh, resume goes on and on and on, but I'll let you hear from Christopher Alexander, the chief analytics officer of Pioneer Development Group and a crypto expert for yourself. Christopher Alexander, welcome to the Author Idala Power Hour. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. Okay, so I, you know I'm a lawyer, and I get people out of trouble. Uh, it's kind of simple. <laughs> what? Uh, tell me, Christopher, what is it exactly that you do uh, as the chief analytics officer of PDG? Absolutely, uh, Pioneer Development Group. We're the uh, creators of the Liberty Blockchain, which is a you know freedom kind of libertarian-focused blockchain that looks to build applications for a free and open society. So when we see things like deplatforming, uh, the kind of mass surveillance, you know, we want to use the blockchain to provide uh, solutions that uh, support a, a free and democratic society. 
And so give me an example of like the, what the solutions are to promote a free and democratic <clears throat> society. Absolutely. So there's there's a couple things that we're working on. Uh, we have an encryption suite that uh, does a better job in terms of privacy for your phone and your computer. Uh, it's blockchain enabled. And then we also are working on a, a historical explorer app and the ideological part of appreciating this country, we think, is often lost. So what we're doing is sort of gamifying history. You'll be able to, like Pokemon Go, use your phone, and when you're near an important historical artifact, it'll notify you. You go to see it, and then you can get uh, digital rewards that are redeemable uh, for uh, interacting and learning about it. Well, that is very, very cool, um, especially, you know, when I'm here in the city and especially when I'm down in the studio around Wall Street. Uh, you know, the, the studio here, our, our AM 970 studio is on Broadway and Wall. There is so much history there. And it would be really cool. Uh, I mean, of course, you could just hire a tour guide to walk you around. But if it's, you know, if you if you pull out your phone and it tells you what's what without you even knowing it. You know, it's one thing I was just in Boston where they would tell you, you know, point your phone here and you're going to hear about it. I think what you're saying is if you have the app set up a certain way, you could be strolling by something and your phone will alert you. Hey, you're walking by Alexander Hamilton's tombstone. You are exactly right. And then on top of that, we want to encourage crypto literacy. And so people will get uh, uh, digital tokens as well. Uh, they can use them, not use them. That, that's up to them. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, kind of a, a, a closed loop system. And, um, you know, we're going to be very careful about the content and, and how it's moderated on there so that, you know, people are getting a, um, you know, a nuanced, um, fair look at history, and we're really trying to avoid the kind of bias that we see when, when people are learning about this country this country these days. Okay, so um, from my producer, Joan, I learned uh, of an acronym called BRICS, which is, stands for mm -hmm. Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. And um, I know it has to do with uh, the United States dollar's status as the world reserve currency, and that this this group, this brick group, um, talking about shaking that up and and threatening uh, the, Un the United States dollar as the world's reserve currency. So, uh, Christopher Alexander, if you could tell us a little bit about BRICS and what it's all about, and why is it a threat to the United States of America? Sure. So, BRICS is a group of countries. You, you name the, the 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 prime kind of movers there, although they just like in the past two weeks added some other. Um, very, very powerful countries to it. But uh, they've been around uh, 10, 12 years. And it was, uh, it was an analyst who came up with the term just to stop having to write all those words out. So it's, it's not like NATO or something where, you know, it's an, an official acronym. But um, everyone uses it. They use it. And, and what BRICS is is this, um, you know, international coalition that looks at, you know, U.S. hegemony through the dollar and uh, objects to it. And so they have worked and chipped away and chipped away for a decade to try to create an alternative to trading with the dollar. So most notably where they've succeeded and what they're doing is, you know, you, you, hear, you hear the term petrodollars, right? You buy oil in dollars. They're um, starting to buy oil using different currencies. So India um, pays with Chinese yuan for their um, for some oil shipments from Saudi Arabia. And um, I think the Chinese um, buy Russian oil using yuan as well. So. Um, it's, it's a response to U.S. economic dominance, and it is a very direct challenge. And you might hear those countries and think, oh, do they hold a lot of power? By 2030, 
They'll have two-thirds of the Earth's population in their countries, and they will pretty much be at the same as the G7 in terms of GDP and economic power. Yeah, I noticed the countries that just joined are Saudi Arabia, Iran, Egypt, Argentina, um, the UAE. So, I mean, these are com- companies that uh, countries that are known to be, um, you know, allies of ours. But it seems like, you know, they're joining the team of, you know, Russia and China and we could question India to some degree who, I don't know if I would put them in the ally category. So, Christopher Alexander, try to bring this into focus for me. Sure. So, so we'll start with this. Uh, pretty much all of them have one thing in common, all the new admissions. Uh, they all have energy. Um, <clears throat> I think the first play that they're making in BRICS is, is really breaking the dollar as the, uh, you know, again, the petrodollar. Um, it, it's a concern. I, I think, you know, Saudis, who, you know, 51% of Saudi Arabia loves us, 49% of Saudi Arabia wants to kill us. You know, there's always that balance. Um, the UAE and, and others are are pretty solid U.S. allies. They've been um, alienated by the Biden administration in the past few years. But um, I, I don't know that they're really running to BRICS as if it's a solution per se. But I, they're definitely sending us a message. And that is, you know, you're not going to throw your, rate or, a rate or, your weight around with the dollar um, uh, as frequently. And we don't like y- your aggressiveness with sanctions and some of the things that you do. So, you know, we're going to go talk to the other guys and, 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 and see what they have to offer. So I think, I think what they're really doing is saying they want to kind of reset their relationship with the U.S. more than, you know, they really view BRICS as the future. Because keep in mind, you, know, you look at the G7 countries, they're democracies, they share Western values, even, you know, with, with Japan and other members <clears throat> being in, 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 in the G7. But we have a common framework that we all work from culturally, economically, politically. You know, South Africa, Russia, India aren't exactly a homogenous group. And, and so I, I think they're going to have a lot of trouble agreeing on what they're ultimately going to do. But, um, you know, the United States still needs to take this as a wake-up call. Okay, the, the BRICS people want to work, you know, the core BRICS countries, but, but our allies are, are, are not entirely happy, and, and they're letting us know. Well, here's, here's the question I have for you, Christopher Alexander. He's the chief analytics officer of Pioneer Development Group. Uh, and a crypto expert, what would happen, uh, what effect does it have on the United States of America if they were successful and the, the, the United States dollar would not be uh, the, uh, the, the currency, the world reserve currency? Well, it would, it would weaken the dollar. Um, it would wreak economic havoc inside the United States as a result. You know, bond markets would go wild and then it would have that ripple effect um in inflation and all these other other areas so uh, of life so <clears throat> it's going to affect you know everyone um whether it's at the gas pump or anywhere else uh one two you know we use swift for for banking and uh that's a big way that we levy sanctions we're able to seize assets and it would it would cripple that that system and they would create some kind of alternative some people think actually it may be what's called a cbdc and they may use a crypto coin to be able to move things, move currency and, and get around it. But, but either way, just the underpinning, the underpinning of our, dip- our diplomatic efforts to, to show some teeth without using our military that, that the United States has relied on since the, Ford, you know, the Marshall Plan is basically going to be a tool that's going to be completely taken away from the United States. So um, whether it's at the gas pump or it's our ability to negotiate favorable trade deals or even to form alliances to protect our interests, it's going to affect all of it. All right. So we have two minutes left. Um, I just wanted to ask you, 
Christopher, what what's the likelihood of that happening anytime soon about the U.S. dollar losing its status as the world reserve currency? So they, they've chipped away. The numbers have gone down a little bit. I, you know, I, I think it, it would be a decade before um, any effects would even sort of trickle down and, and the average consumer and the average American. So this is not um, um, an imminent threat. <clears throat> um, again, what I'm concerned about in the short term is our allies and the fact that they're willing to deal with BRICS um, and, and showing their obvious you know, displeasure with us. But not, a, not, not something to worry about now, but, you know, it's, it's hard to turn the ship of state, and it takes time. And so we need to start addressing these problems now so that we're ready 10 years, 15 years, 20 years um, into the future. But, but bottom line, 2030, they're going to have as much economic power as, uh, as the G7, and that's going to be something we'll have to take seriously. Well, that's, you know, 2030 is like the day after tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, we better start <laughs> taking it seriously. Now, Christopher Alexander, thanks for coming back on the show. I appreciate it. Every time you come on, it uh, you enlighten me especially, but I'm sure you're inv- enlightening our listeners as well. Chris Alexander is the Chief Analytics Officer of Pioneer Development Group, and uh, we appreciate your input today, Chris. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. I'm feeling lonely every day myself to keep going oh tear them down brick by brick gregory floyd host of reaching out gets answers to the tough questions from people in the know joining us is councilman ben Carlos. what do you think about the labor movement post janice what are you hearing i've spoken to public service labor unions all over the city and state and they are telling me that they are stronger than ever members of labor know what's at stake and they're not falling for any of the stuff that's coming out of washington they know that janice was an attack on labor and frankly they know that no one's looking out for them other than their labor union so i see folks getting more involved and i think that if labor members get involved in their unions. I think that you can define who will be the next president of the United States of America, the next mayor of the city of New York, the next borough president in Manhattan, and the next council members, because everything's up for grabs. It's Reaching Out with Gregory Floyd at a new time, Saturday afternoon at 2.30 and again at 9 p.m. on AM 970, The Answer. Bay Ridge Honda is kicking off the fall season by saving you $1,500 when you turn in your trade or lease and purchase your next car with Bay Ridge Honda. They have been your family-owned and operated dealer for over 60 years. Your Honda dealer serving the five boroughs. Browse from over 200 new Honda vehicles and over 100 certified pre-owned vehicles backed by the Honda True Program at their 2022 President's Award winning dealership. And right now, get 0% APR financing and zero down payment on select new 2023 Honda models all month long. Plus, you're going to receive $1,500 when you turn in your trade or lease when you purchase your next car with them. Even if you don't buy from Bay Ridge Honda, they will buy your car from you. So visit Bay Ridge Honda at 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Brooklyn or online at BayRidgeHonda.com. Available to qualified buyers. Additional fees may apply. See dealer for details. Ends 9-30-2023. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970. The Answer. Levine. I love Skater Boy. 39 years old today. That song's got to be old because she was like a little girl when that uh, when that song came out. Let's see. This 
Did you tell me how old she is? She's 39. No, but I don't know when that song came out. Skater Boy. Joan, find that out for the end of the show. It's SK8, the number 8, E-R-B-O-I. 2002. Um, two, okay, there you go. I told you she was a little kid. Wow. Um, that happened fast. Um, so what didn't happen fast was the uh, pedestrian traffic around the courthouse in the Southern District of New York. Imran was down there with Lino. They had a case on today to argue, and they like, what's with, like, send me a text, like, what's with the craziness down at the Southern District? And... Um, he said, I don't know, maybe a United States senator and his wife are about to be uh, arraigned on uh, federal felony charges for the second time in, well, for him, the second time in eight years. 39-page um, indictment talks about uh, the uh, Senator Menendez, what he did, where he hid money, where he got gold bars from. I mean, some of his answers are really weak, like, I had gold bars in the house in case of an emergency. I mean... Look, I guess if I was his art attorney, I would be arguing, look, uh, go online. They're selling um, on Fox News and Newsmax. They found these like survival kits that they sell for like $150 and you keep them in your basement and it has nourishment and water purification tablets and they last for 25 years. And if the world is you know melting around you, you, uh, you, ha- you have some, some food to eat. Um, I don't know. Maybe the senator is going to say, well, I had... Gold, because just like our prior guest said, maybe the dollar won't be worth anything, but gold will always be worth something. I don't know. Does that sound like a decent argument, folks? Um, so he, uh, the personal recognizance bomb that was set was um, $100,000. And um, it's interesting, but there, but his wife's bond was a quarter of a million dollars. It's really all academic. It's not like state court where you actually have to put up collateral. This you just kind of sign on the dotted line. Uh, and it doesn't even say that any financially responsible people had a co-sign for them. So uh, it's really just um, it's kind of saying, well, if I run away, I owe you a quarter of a million bucks. But, you know, good luck getting it from me because I'm going to be have run away. Um, there was that proceeding was held in front of a magistrate magistrate judge. The real judge who's going to be handling the case, the district court judge, is the Judge Stein, who is a very well-known judge. He's been around for a very long time. Uh, Sidney Stein, I believe, was appointed by Bill Clinton. So that's how long he's been there. Uh, they will be uh, back in court on Monday for a hearing. And um, I will tell you this. Uh, judge Stein has an excellent reputation of being fair, intelligent, even-handed, and uh, he would be a judge, uh, Judge Stein, that I would tell a, a new judge who maybe just got on the circuit court, uh, just got on the district court to look to as a mentor. So uh, for um, Senator Menendez and his wife, if they got a shot at uh, uh, someone being fair, they did real good with the pull of that judge. We'll be back again tomorrow night, Thursday night, live and local, the Idola Power Hour. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored by Idala Bertuna and Cammons. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's 
Dirty Secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.